Shohei Otani makes his final start of the season, and John, he sets another major league record. We'll tell you all about it. And were you surprised by the Phil Nevin news? He's back, and we don't think it's a bad thing, and we'll explain why, especially to our angel friend and fan, David Brunn. And... What are the three top priorities for the Halos this offseason? John and I have some ideas. You're Locked On with Mike and John, and this is Locked On Angels. You are Locked On Angels, your daily Los Angeles Angels podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thanks for making Locked On Angels your first listen of the day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can give us a rate and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And thank you to those that have recently. And those five stars, just they just sit on our hearts so well. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can like, comment, subscribe, and click the bell to be notified every time a new episode drops. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Locked On Angels, where it's your team every single day. You've got the Frisch Brothers here with you aka the super halo bros my name is john and that's my brother mike and my name is mike and that's my brother john game 162 is in the books and we've closed the book on this halo season that has been very frustrating at times hopeful at times and exciting at times because of all of the accomplishments from the likes of reed detmers and shohei otani and mike trout And we had one more game on Wednesday against the A's, and we took the L and the sweep. Ugh, what a terrible way to end the season. However, I'm more focused on the positives here, Mike. Yes, yes. Let's talk about some good news, because game 162 without good news smelled like poo. So, all right, let's start (laughs) with uh, Shohei Otani. He started this game and became the first player ever. Ever. That's, that's, That's just going to be, that's his, like, new last name, Ever, right? The first player ever in all of history of baseball to qualify for the league leaders in both as a hitter and as a pitcher in the same season. Johnny, he finished with these pitching stats, a 2.33 ERA, a 1.01 whip, and an 11.9 strikeout per nine rate. Good grief. He joins a guy named, oh, Randy Johnson from 1997 as the only only pitcher to qualify uh, to post these numbers in a full MLB season. This guy is phenomenal. This guy is incredible. This guy is extraordinary. This guy's the unicorn, Johnny. He's the only one to ever do it, Mike, and uh, that sounds like AL MVP type stuff right there to me. Speaking of AL MVP, how about three-time AL MVP Mike Trout with what he did on Wednesday? Mike Trout is the sixth player all time to record a 40 plus home run season in 120 fewer games this season. Yep. 350 in his career. He's halfway to 700, baby. And he joins Hank Aaron, Ken Griffey Jr., Matt Williams, JD Martinez, and Nelson Cruz as the only players to ever record 40 home runs or more in less than 120 games. The guy was gone for 36 days and he is the second most home runs in the American League behind Un- somebody named Aaron Judge. <laughs> Unbelievable and and how great it was to see him hit that 450 plus bomb to center field and you knew that he was going for that. And here's here's what we love about Trout. It was a typical Trout at bat. He was mm-hmm. down 
two strikes, 0-2, <laughs> right? And then he worked the count. This guy is so good. And I know that people give a lot of grief to past players like Barry Bonds because of, you know, the steroid rumors and all of that stuff. The thing that steroids doesn't do, though, is give you a good batter's eye. And mm. Barry Bonds was great at the plate. I mean, the guy walked all of the time. And what Trout has going for him and why I think Trout is always going to be consistent until the end of his career is his eye at the plate, John, and he yes. does that so often. I remember remember back in the old softball days when you and I were playing softball and we would swing and miss after the first two pitches, and then we'd get nervous and we'd get sweaty and we'd get anxious <laughs> and then we weren't sure we'd make contact, right? Trout doesn't – he's a major league baseball player with major league pitching, and when he, when he gets down 0-2, he's just getting started, Johnny. I don't want to talk about our weekend softball career. <laughs> uh, that's just something I You were good. Come on. You were good. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't get, I didn't get MVP in the championship game. I'm still bitter about it. You know, that. we need to have a segment about that because you were robbed. <laughs> you were robbed. When you go – hey, listen, Locked On fans – when you go four for five and knock in five runs and get a triple, and the other guy went two for five and made one great defensive play, don't you think that you should win the MVP? I'm still bitter about that, and that was like 36 years ago, wasn't it? <laughs> Mike, next time we're going to see Mike Trout, it's going to be in the World Baseball Classic in March. And of course, there's talk of Shohei joining Team Japan. Yeah. Could we get Mike Trout versus Shohei? In the World Baseball Classic, that Look, would be fun. I'll take I'll take any matchups like that in the World Baseball I'm Classic. I want to see Shohei against some of our guys. That would yep. be so much fun to see. Hey, I got to give a shout out to the fact that Stephen Vogt in his last career game uh, yeah. got that home run. That was pretty cool. Zach Weiss gave him a 94 mile an hour cookie right down the middle, and he took advantage of that cookie. Yeah, and he hit it out, and so he just had himself a great game. His kids got to introduce him. Wasn't that when great? He came up to the plate. I just love stuff like that, and I that's the kind of game it felt like on Wednesday was just good vibes all around, good feelings all around. Kurt Suzuki and Steven Vogt brought out the lineup cards to the umpires. Suzuki took over managing the game about halfway through, yeah. so that was pretty cool to see. So this loss is He's on definitely, him. <laughs> it is, it is. Yeah, I don't know if this actually counts against Phil Nevin's record, actually. That's kind of funny. Yeah. But it was good vibes all around in this game, and I think it was just, even though it was a loss, it was great to see Otani qualify. He went five innings, only gave up that one earned run, and then had the blister issue. But he he tells them, "Hey guys, I'm dealing with a with a blister here. I'm kind of you know it, it's making it hard to pitch." And they say, "Well, can you finish the inning?" And he says, "Sure." So what does he do? He throws three straight sliders yeah. for the strikeout and yeah. gets out of the inning. Yeah, let me just finish <laughs> this fantastic. up real quick, and then uh, yeah. we can we can get off the field here and we can wrap up this. I'll blister. just use a pitch that won't mess with my blister. So he throws three <laughs> sliders, and that's that's what he does. Just incredible. There was a pop up that Shohei induced, and he didn't even look back. It was like you know in the movie scenes when something is exploding yes. and the person's walking away from it in slow motion. <laughs> that was Shohei <laughs> with that pop up, right? <laughs> Yeah, he's walking off yes. the field. Yeah, that was great. He's walking off the field. Didn't even look back at the pop-up. And then the funny part was Fletcher and Duffy and somebody else almost collided trying to get that. But yeah. Fletcher got it down. So, yeah, <laughs> just, a, just a fun game. A good way to end the season in terms of what the individual players were able to accomplish. And then we got some news, Mike, about Phil Nevin that we're going to get into in here in just a minute. But to wrap up 162, oh, let's put... 22 behind us yes. and focus on next year. We have a lot to say about that coming up. Hey, 
And coming up on Locked On Angels, what should be the top three priorities for the Halos this offseason? John has three thoughts, and I have three thoughts, and we're going to share those with you. But first, Locked On Angels is brought to you by Bet Online. If you haven't been to Bet Online yet, they're your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in depth articles and analysis on every game that you can find. The truth is, Everything that you need to make a really wise bet, Bet Online will hook you up and help you out. And as always, they remain your continued source for all your sport wagering information, live betting, and up to the minute scores for every sport out there. Fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games? Bet Online. You can check out baseball playoffs, MMA, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. Bet Online, where the game starts. I want to thank you for making Locked On Angels your first listen of the day. And the first thing that came out yesterday was the news that Phil Nevin was signed to a one-year deal for the 2023 season. He will be the manager for the Angels next season, yeah. which was surprising news. But after thinking about it, it wasn't all that surprising when you consider the circumstances. But let me just say, when they were interviewing him about that, he was talking about how excited he was and the people he shared the news with and how he was nervous when he got called in yes. to Perry Manassian's office, but then realized, oh, this is good news. So uh, that was that was great to see. And he got emotional, Mike, and that meant a lot to me because it shows that Phil Nevin cares. Yep. I think they've been through such a difficult season, and I feel like he did a great job in helping these guys get through the season. So uh, it was just, I think it's a, a great choice. It's a get-me-over kind of season, considering that ownership is in flux. It's an uncertain. And if it's a one-year deal, there doesn't have to be any awkwardness in terms of, hey, he's got two more years on his contract, but the new owner wants to go a different direction. It's one year. He can finish out that contract. Even if he were in some situation to be cut short next season, I don't think it would be too bad of a of a situation, but let's hope he gets a full season to work with. Yeah, I think this is a good move for a couple of reasons. One, mm -hmm. Mike Trout seems to really like Phil Nevin. And That's what important. Mike Trout wants, Mike Trout gets, right? <laughs> and it seems like Shohei Otani really likes Phil Nevin, mm -hmm. and Taylor Ward really likes Phil Nevin. In fact, Trout was quoted, and, and this was a tweet. He said, Phil's been doing a great job. He takes care of his players. He's doing a good job with managing. He's fun to play for. This was before they actually announced that he signed on again. Mm -hmm. And there was some conversation with Trout, and I believe it was Sam Blum, where Trout said that the organization has approached him on some of those decisions, yes. which I think is a great move. And you know that that conversation with Trout is probably one of the easiest conversations you can have with a superstar because the guy is very much a, yeah, let's do what, what what's best for the team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's figure this out, right? Like he's not going to have this ego in the game. At least he hasn't portrayed that publicly, and I don't think that that's that's different privately. I think he's a pretty humble guy mm -hmm. with the way that he's interacted with the fans and all of that stuff. I, I really like this move. I, at first, I was like you, where I was like, hmm. And yeah. then my, my phone blew up from, from everybody that was texting me going, hey, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? I just started saying, I need some time, so listen to the show. <laughs> so <laughs> after processing it, Johnny, I feel the same way that you do. And with Trout being excited and the players being excited, I, I, I like this. Nevin's been a really good motivator mm -hmm. for these players, especially for the younger players. Yes. And we've talked ad nauseum about Jose Suarez and some of the young pitchers. 
But it seems like Phil really has a great relationship here. And what I really like about this is it's an opportunity for Phil to have a clean slate. Yes. He's not inheriting somebody else's team and somebody else's philosophy and just trying to hold things together. Right. So uh, some private information about me. So about five years ago, I was in a situation where I had to become the interim pastor at the church that I'm currently at. And it was from a really heartbreaking situation. And my plan was just to be the interim. And and so then the conversation came to, hey, what if it would be Mike? And, and I remember saying to them, don't hire me because it's convenient. Hmm. Hire me because I'm the best person. Mm. And I think for in this situation, I think Perry looked at it and went, with the flux uncertainty of ownership, the flux uncertainty of what we're going to be able to do this off season, we need some stability. And yes. we saw the Angels really fall apart when Joe Madden left, and they were already falling apart. Right. And I think that they really love Joe. And so having Phil take over and kind of grab both ends, like organizational and players, and hold and manage that tension. He, he wasn't able to resolve it, and I don't think he could have resolved it, mm-hmm. but to manage that tension was great. And then... One of the things that you pointed out and you tweeted this out, and I'd love for you to share it, is Phil Nevin did a pretty good job with the cards that he had in his hands. And and would you share the tweet that you sent out yesterday about what Phil Nevin was working with as he was managing this season? Yeah, so we have to consider the fact that Phil Nevin went 46 and 60, so 14 games under 500 in his in games that he managed. But listen to this. That record comes with 36 days of no Mike Trout. His closer was traded at the deadline. He had an injured first baseman trying to play. He had a third baseman who was not playing in Anthony Rendon. And how many quad A players were starting games (laughs) because we had nobody else? Jose Rojas. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I can go down the list, right? (laughs) So any issues, I said any issues that the Angels have had is a front office slash depth problem, not a Phil Nevin problem. It was not his fault that his record is not better. And I believe that because, like I mentioned, 36 days without Mike Trout, I mean, you you win 12 more games probably at the minimum with Mike Trout in the lineup. And that leaves 24 more days of what could be up in the air in terms of wins and losses. The other thing I'll say, Mike, is I did a tweet a couple of days ago, and you can find it on Super Halo Bros., And I shared it, and it is what happened with Mike Trout getting pitched up and in since the fight with the Mariners. It was so good. Phil Nevin stood up for his guy. showed the Mariners and the rest of the league that he wasn't going to put up with people throwing up and in to Mike Trout and risking hitting him in the head. And so that's when the brawl broke out in June. And so I looked at the stats. I looked at how many pitches that Mike Trout was getting before and after the brawl that were up and in, so kind of that top left quadrant if you're looking from the catcher's perspective, and the number of pitches went down. The percentage of pitches relative to the rest of the zone was slightly higher after the brawl, but but as far as number of pitches, those have gone down since that brawl. So lesson learned from the rest of the league that you don't throw in to... Mike Trout, you don't throw up and in. Now, I know it was costly. It cost Phil Nevin five games. Uh, Archie Bradley doesn't know how to climb a fence, and he hurt his arm doing so. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it cost Anthony, or actually it cost Nevin ten games, it and it cost games, Anthony yeah. Rendon five games. Rysel Iglesias got suspended. So I understand the outcome of that was not ideal, but to send a message the way that he did, and Mariner sure. fans are still crying about it, the Seattle LOLs 
Mariners uh, are. That's what I'm going to refer to them now. By the way, is uh, Seattle. <laughs> LOL. Um, Got it. They're they're upset still about this, and they were saying, "Oh, the Angel fans brought back Phil Nevin." <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, we're pretty happy about it, considering right. the fact that these are the things that he had to deal with, and this is what happened." And honestly, I think. Phil Nevin is probably the best for the job. You need some consistency. I think he's done really great with the young players, as you mentioned, giving encouragement to Jose Suarez to stay out there and get out of the inning. And and he's been around the team enough to where the guys like him, and that's the most important thing. If Mike Trout likes him, if Shohei Otani likes him, if Taylor Ward likes him, Jared Walsh, he's, he's hard-nosed in the way that he needs to be, but he's also a great guide to these young players, and it's awesome that he's getting a clean slate an opportunity to win, and hopefully the front office puts the right pieces in place to help him succeed next season because I think he's managed fairly well. I know there's a couple of bullpen decisions that may have been tough, but when when all you have to go to is Aaron Loop and Ryan Tapera and Jose Marte, then you're going to run into some issues. But at the same time, he let the starters start. He let them finish. He gave them clean innings. He brought in bullpen pieces during clean innings. He wasn't bringing in guys when there's two runners on base and yada, 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 which we saw a lot with Joe Madden. And so I, I've liked what Phil Nevin has done. And I think people are upset if they are upset about it. They think it's more of the same, but it's not going to be more of the same when you start at nothing and nothing, zero and zero on your win-loss record. Like, give the guy a chance. Let him see what he can do with a fresh slate. Today is the first day without regular season Angels baseball, but John, there is so much regular news that we're going to be able to share during mm-hmm. the offseason because there's a lot happening with this team. As we just mentioned, Phil Nevin is is now the manager for the next season. Shohei yes. Otani signed a one-year, $30 million deal. There's going to be conversations about are they going to you know give him a long-term deal and all of that stuff. Plus, we got the WBC coming up, and th- there's a lot. So you and I decided that we were going to put pen to paper, and we were going to write down the top three priorities that the organization needs to focus on this offseason. Mm-hmm. So let me start, and then you can respond, and then why don't you share, and I'll respond to you. So here's here's my top three. Number one, Perry and Phil need to be on the same page. Mm-hmm. They need to align to a vision. They need to align on players, coaches, their approach, their philosophy. Uh, Colin Cowherd, who's one of my favorite uh, announcers, he he mentioned something, and it was a football analogy. Mm-hmm. Cowherd actually said, when he was talking about our favorite team, the San Francisco 49ers, that Jimmy Garoppolo, even though he drives us nuts as a quarterback, <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo is perfect for Kyle Shanahan. Mm-hmm. Because what Shanahan wants is somebody as a quarterback to do exactly what the playbook says. Mm. Say, say hike. Two steps back, (laughs) throw it to Debo, get out of the way, right? (laughs) And so, but what I like about that is that they have a game plan. They have a philosophy. There is a vision, right? This is what I want you to do. Let's work together. And Garoppolo's like, yeah, man, give me Debo, give me Brandon IU, give me these guys, right? The same needs to be true for the Angels Mm. for next season. 
They, they need to say, Here, here's the players that you have. Here's what we're going to do. No more conversations like we've talked about where, oh, it's going to be Joe Adele and Brandon Marsh and Mike Trout in the outfield. And then the day before the season starts, <laughs> no, nah, I think it's going to be Taylor Ward in right Taylor field. Ward. Right? Now, that doesn't mean in spring training somebody rises to the top and you sure. have to reconsider that. But I think privately they need to say, here's what we're going to do. And then publicly they need to say, everybody has a shot here. Right. Except Mike Trout. Trout's going to be in center, right? Everybody's <laughs> got a shot. So Perry and Phil need to be on the same page mm-hmm. and have the same approach. They need to align themselves because if they don't, it's going to be messy. So let me let me bring up a point about this because yeah. I like what you have to say about Perry and Phil being on the same page. You know, when Joe Madden started to speak out about how he was conflicting with Perry about the bullpen usage and things like that and analytics and things like that. Phil Nevin, this this might is probably politics on Phil Nevin's part. You don't want to say anything bad, but Phil Nevin was like, I've never had a problem with it. I think yeah. the information that we get is helpful and valuable. And I think that's key, Mike. I think that this GM needs somebody who's going to listen. And yeah. I think Perry Manassian is bringing Phil Nevin back because he's proven to listen. And yeah. I think that they'll have success. I think that they have a good strategy going, and I think Perry Manassian sees that Phil Nevin is willing to take the information that they have, make use of it in the field and in the game, and I think that Perry Manassian sees that in Phil Nevin. Yeah. Number two, they need to make a decision within the next week or two on how they're going to approach making this team better in mm. 2023. Mm-hmm. Are we going to go with the young guys? Or are we going to sign the big guys, or are we going to do a, big, a mix of both? Mm-hmm. It can't be like, well, you know what? We didn't get Garrett Cole, so let's throw money at Anthony Rendon. Right. It can't be None that, that way. No. And, and what it has to be is, here's our plan. We need this, 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 and this, and we're going to actually go and do that mm-hmm. this way. We're either going to throw money at it, or we're actually going to use these young guys in the minor leagues who have proven that they actually are going to be pretty competitive, mm-hmm. and then bring them up and let the kids play Mm -hmm. and make that decision within the next couple of weeks don't wait so that way when you get into the off season you get into the winter meetings you have a game plan you have a strategy here are the trades that we're going to make here's what we're going to do like get on the phone and start deciding what it is that you're going to do and then number three I think they need one starter I think they need a left fielder I think they need a shortstop and I think they need two back of the bullpen pieces. Mm-hmm. Ryan Tapera and Aaron Luke cannot continue to be those no. guys. No. Those guys are going to be maybe fifth, sixth inning. Now, they did improve with Phil Nevin, probably listening to Perry on how to use them, right? And listening but, to us. It, right. They, th- that's really what it was. They need one starter, a left fielder, shortstop, and two back of the bullpen pieces. Now, if they throw money at it, great. If, they, if it's the young guys, great. And you're going to bring up some of those young guys in a minute. But... That's what I think they need to do. So just to recap, Perry and Phil, let's get on the same page. You need to decide how we're going to make this team better. Young guys, or we're going to go spend money or a mix of both. And we need one starter, left fielder, shortstop, and two bullpen pieces. Those are the three priorities that I think that Perry Manassian needs to focus on this offseason. Let me give you my three priorities. The first one is you need to create depth through signings and opportunity. What, yep. that it, what that looks like is in left field, you have Joe Adele as your fourth outfielder because if you lose an outfielder, you have Joe Adele to step in. In the infield, you need to sign a proven infielder and roll with Soto, Renjifo, Fletcher, and that new infielder. When it comes to starting pitching, you got to get Lorenzen back and you got to get one more starter who can be a solid number two behind Shohei Otani. 
the bullpen. I know that we always say you got to get proven arms for the bullpen, but you know what? Aaron Loop and Ryan Tapera were, they were proven arms. Right. They yeah. had very, <laughs> Aaron Loop had an ERA under one in 2021 with the Mets. Yeah. So what the heck happened? So proven arms, you can throw money at proven arms in the bullpen, but either way, I think you're going to have to figure out who factors into your bullpen, whether that's young guys or moving some people around. Maybe you give Chris Rodriguez a chance or Griffin Canning. Maybe you bring up some arms like Sam Bachman or Ben Joyce, those big back of the bullpen arms that are going to help you out. Yep. So again, I think creating depth through signings and opportunity, sign the right people and give opportunity to the guys that deserve it. Uh, The last thing is, Uh, Maybe a first base platoon. I know that a lot of people have said, could we split time between Jared Walsh and somebody like Josh Bell or Trey Mancini? And I looked up the stats. Josh Bell actually is better against righties rather than lefties. And so he's still better against lefties than Jared Walsh is, but his strength is in righties. Trey Mancini is actually pretty good against both. So Either one would be a great option. Brandon Drury, I think, would be the best option because that guy can play third base, shortstop, second. So give him a ride at first base. And then that is also depth, Mike. It's not a big, flashy Trey Turner signing. It's not Dansby Swanson. It's Brandon Drury. And he's somebody who could play all over the infield because you already have some pretty solid infielders in Rendon and Renjifo and Fletch and Soto. And if those are the guys that you're rolling with, get one more to supplement that infield. And I think Brandon Drury does that really well. So again, create depth through signings and opportunity. The second thing that they need to focus on this offseason is getting a new hitting coach and build out a hitting philosophy. Jeremy Reed should be gone today. (laughs) While you're listening to this episode, I hope there's breaking news that Jeremy Reed has been let go and dismissed. Now, on that note, they need to bring in somebody who understands what these halos bring to the table. And Mike, our best decade, 2000 to 2009, how much small ball did we play? Right. So much. Right. So much small ball. You have to create runs and take advantage of the kinds of bats that you have in your lineup. You can't just focus on getting those big hits. We have our sluggers. We have Otani. We have Trout. We have Taylor Ward when he's healthy. Jared Walsh can hit 30 home runs when he's healthy. But you have to trust that guys like David Fletcher and whoever you have at shortstop and maybe even your catcher can move guys over, get the sacrifice flies, but more importantly, put the bunt down and put the squeeze on some of these pitchers and make them flustered on the mound. And we saw that a little bit early on in April. We had a lot of success putting down bunts and moving runners over and, you know, taking an out, but also scoring a run. A run's a run, and runs are hard to come by in this day and age. Right. And so I think you need to create those any way that you can. And the last thing that the team needs to focus on in the off season, sell the team. Sell the team. <laughs> sell the team, Artie. <laughs> and I know it's in process, but here's the thing. We need news that the process has begun yeah. between Artie Marino and somebody who's buying the team. We need to know that something is in the works, and we need to know what the timeline will be how long they expect it to take, and how long it will be until the sale goes through. I understand it might not be this season, next season, or whatever, or this offseason and this season when we start playing again. I understand that. But we need news about where this is going, yep. who's going to buy. We need that news in the offseason. So let's sell the team. 
let's get that process going. Let us know who the buyer is going to be and when we can expect that sale to go through. Thanks for making Locked On Angels your first listen today. Now make your second listen, the Locked On MLB podcast with our friend Sully. He brings humor, passion, and his unique perspective on every team, and he'll share some of the biggest stories from around the league. You can follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to give us a follow at Locked On Angels if you want to keep up with all the latest and greatest news about our Halos. You can also catch us at Super Halo Bros on Twitter and Instagram. Michael, what do we have on deck for tomorrow's show? Well, we received your player evaluations. You got out your red pin and you gave them <laughs> grades. And so we're going to let you know how you graded these Angels this season. Find out tomorrow on Locked On Angels. As a former teacher, there's no greater feeling than having a big red marker and writing up and down on a page. <laughs> writing notes in the like margins. Yep, exactly. <laughs> All right, y'all. We hope that you have a great day, and we will see you back here tomorrow. Until then, my name is John, and that's my brother Mike. And my name is Mike, and that's my brother John. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Angels, and we hope that you'll join us again tomorrow. Tomorrow.